Well, hello there, and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. This is episode 72. I'm Chris, and I'm joined this week by Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hey, Chris. How's it going? It's going good. Just another day, another week, another uh, really exciting time to come and talk about animation. Woohoo! And that is exactly what we're going to do. Yes. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about our normal news topics and some stuff that we've been watching but also this week uh, we thought that we would talk a bit about the current trend of turning animation into live action films as seen in all these Disney remakes that have come out or are in production or have been planned and seeing as Beauty and the Beast is uh, breaking records all over the place at the moment we thought it'd be a good time to talk about it now mm-hmm. Uh and the other animes, and also not just uh, not just the Disney remakes, also, but we've uh, the trend of uh, Hollywood with uh, adapting anime titles as well. So we will also be expected to talk a little bit about Ghost in the Shell and Death Note, which are coming out later this year. Yeah, because but... Ghost in the Shell is out like yep. imminently. <laughs> and... it's, it's, it's really it's approaching very fast. Yes, it's happening. It's happening, people. Um... If this is your first episode, you can find our previous episodes. You can find all of them on animationforadults.com or podcast.com. You can find the last 50 or so on uh, iTunes and Stitcher. Um, We are currently trying to work out, trying to get all the old episodes back on there as well. Uh, It's a whole thing. Uh, (laughs) You've been doing this for a long time. You're going to be getting extra episodes because you may have noticed if you're a subscriber, which you should be, because um, <laughs> uh, then you'll get every episode in your podcast catcher. Um, you will have noticed the second episode of the Animation Nights New York animated interviews with our very own Yvonne, uh, has, uh, and that is with an animator and educator called Scott Rank, and that will that was released at the weekend, so. Um, we're going to be getting more animator interviews in amongst your AFA episodes so that means that the other episodes are going to fall off a bit quicker so we need to try and talk that out as soon mm-hmm. as we can um, but in the meantime you can find them all on podcast.com or our website so right on with the news um, so uh, last week we talked about the first footage that we'd seen of Tom Moore's upcoming film Wolfwalkers that we're very excited about um, that was shown as part of a larger uh, group of previews well now it's got its own standalone concept trailer that's been released um, by Cartoon Saloon and it's got a bit extra footage from what we saw last week uh, which actually gives you a better idea of the film where it's going and what kind of thing you're going to see in it um a lot of sorry there's like a lot of key visuals in this trailer you'll notice yeah uh you get to see the main character um main characters because it is a relationship between uh or friendship between uh a like a wild irish girl uh, called Maeve and um a english hunter's daughter called robin uh and that who has come over to Ireland to hunt the wolves. But 
uh, as is heavily suggested, there is a connection between Maeve and the wolves. Hmm, what could that be? Who? I don't know. Ooh. <laughs> well, I think we can guess. Um, yeah, and you get to see lots of wolves, and you get to see the um, the uh, the invading army and stuff, and the villages, and you lots of spectacular imagery. None of it is finished. It's all in production, concepty stuff because they're uh, they haven't even got all the funding yet. But um, yeah, obviously, looks amazing still. <laughs> yeah, it's we we're already really excited about this movie, and it's just now that we're getting some more just visual confirmation of like what the the style of the film is going to look like. It's I'm really really impressed with it. So definitely, if you have some time, uh, feel free to check out the uh, article with the uh, the conceptual trailer on the website and check it out because it is so so pretty. I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that is that Tom Morris directing it, but he is co-directing it with Ross Stewart, just so he doesn't get the uh, he doesn't get left out. There mm-hmm. you go. Um, yeah. And it's being written by Will Collins, who was the screenwriter of Song of the Sea as well. And hopefully, they're hoping like to go in production like early next year, or they hope to get the funding by the end of the year. I considering that. G kids uh, put money into the breadwinner. I'm wondering <laughs> if if they might put some money into this as well. Well, considering how big of a hit uh, Song of the Sea was in terms of uh, you know you know promotion with the uh, G kids and you know they're promoting it helped you know get the Song of the Sea some maybe a bit more recogni- uh, bit more recognition and the fact that you know to for the point where it got an Oscar nomination, I would. I would be surprised that considering that a lot of people who were involved with that movie are involved with this movie. I would be shocked if they would at least do something in regards to supporting the film. Yeah, well, they would definitely when it, they'll definitely release it, I'm sure. Oh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but they they can guarantee they release it if they put money into it, which is I think what they did with um, Breadwinner, which mm-hmm. apparently should be getting a trailer quite soon. Ooh, nice. Because uh, they were, uh, it was animation dingle uh, festival in Ireland, uh, and they had had a presentation about the breadwinner, and they were tweeting about it, and they said that there should be a trailer quite soon. So that's exciting. Nice. Look forward to that. Yep. So check out that trailer. Uh, you'll find it in the show notes and on our website. And there is also a. Uh, a bit of a behind the scenes video they released as well so is that as well which I haven't watched quite yet but (laughs) (laughs) okay there was another trailer released this year this week this year it was released this year that's true (laughs) I'm not I'm not backing down it was definitely released this year it was also released this week which is uh, more relevant Um, Mm -hmm. couldn't be much more different Really? Uh, it's for an upcoming DreamWorks film. Uh, the second DreamWorks film coming out this year after Boss Baby, and that is um, Captain Underpants. Very the epic interesting first titles movie. that DreamWorks is running with uh, this year. Yeah, they could say that. No, um, I think out of the two of these trailers, or the, you know, these two films, like, you know, you see, you know, you see. The trailer for Boss Baby versus uh, this movie. I'd say 
while I, my opinion at this point in time is not very high for either film, at the very least, Captain Underpants looks like it's got a at least a good sense of humor about it. Which is might which might leave me laughing. I don't really know anything about these books. I don't know how old they are. Are you familiar with them? No, I can't say that I am. Well, from what I could pick up in the trailer, at least this is exactly what I what the the trailer kind of summarized is that you've got these two kind of best friends who are always getting into trouble with the you know at home at school what have you, and their principal who is very from what I can tell relative pretty strict and uh, really uh, quick to anger gentleman threatens to basically say okay I'm gonna get you guys get you two put in different classrooms and just you know that'll be the end of that so in order to basically stop that i don't know how they do it but they hypnotize this principal into thinking that he is a superhero named captain underpants and then the rest of the film should follow uh the antics of this character as he you know believing he's a superhero running around trying to do superhero things when he is not in fact a superhero and then the two boys trying to keep him from killing himself (laughs) or getting into too much trouble yes that sounds like a good summary of Having yeah, I think I remember. That's yes. Lots I, of I, lots of gags. I watched the trailer once, and it was a few days ago, and I I didn't I don't remember that much about it. Um, I know you've obviously watched it more recently. Um, yes. The, the animation's yeah, quite. Yeah, the animations I I quite liked. It reminded me of uh, Peanuts. Yeah, that's that's why I, I was getting those exact same vibes while watching it. So the style of it, I definitely dig. And mm-hmm. even though the scenario of the movie, while ridiculous, obviously, I think for the fact that this is going to be like a spoof kind of, you know, uh, comedy flick, might be able to, you know, still get away with like having a, re- a couple of really good genuine laughs, not just for kids, but for adults too. So I'm not, again, this is a, this is a first impression basis, so we'll have to wait and see what more material comes out after this trailer. But it's like, I'm, I'm feeling fairly optimistic that this, out of the two films, that this might even get a bigger, um, this might be a bigger success than the, the first film that DreamWorks put out this year. But I'm, again, this is not saying, this is me saying without really knowing too much about how Boss Baby is currently doing. One thing they're not doing that Peanuts did is they are not casting children as children. And, no, uh, they're not. Uh, this this is featuring uh, such people as Jordan Peele, uh, Nick Kroll, Kevin Hart, Kristen Shaw. Ed Helms, Thomas Middleditch, and some others, and um, it is the screenplay is from Nicholas Stoller, who I think he worked on the uh, I think he worked on Storks. I uh, he. You I know he... what? I was getting that vibe when I was watching the trailer. It, it's it, that's just that this is the same person who worked on Storks. That that's kind of explains the humor a little bit. He definitely worked on the uh, the recent Muppet movies. Uh, okay. He wrote wrote uh, the co-wrote the screenplay of Muppets and Muppets Most Wanted. Uh, he di- directed Bad Na- Oh, it was just called Neighbours in America. Uh, okay. It, it was called Bad Neighbours in the UK because there's a uh, <laughs> um, there's a Australian soap called called oh, Neighbours. Okay, that, gotcha. That's much more familiar to English people than <laughs> than obviously people in America who never heard of it which is I don't I've, I strangely enough it wasn't called Bad Neighbours in Australia because apparently 
people in Eng- England they hear neighbours they think of the Australian soap people in Australia don't care <laughs> um, yes he wrote Storks there you go alright that, that like I said all of a sudden the humour makes a lot more sense now mm-hmm. and I can't say that I because um, I have watched uh, Storks like re- not relatively recently but a little like a while ago and well, I can't say it's my favorite film of all time. It's definitely like I it definitely had me belly laughing at a few places. So that's uh that that that, that kind of makes me feel a little bit better, a little bit more optimistic about the this particular movie that it might it might surprise me. Yeah, it, it at least looks a bit more interesting than Boss Baby does, which yeah. again could be amazing, I suppose. I don't want my to prejudge anything. My dad wanted me to go see that with him. Believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, wait, Dad, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, I want to go see Boss Baby. You want to go see it with me? He's like, if you really want to, then sure. But, like, I'm not, just so you know, I'm not chomping at the bit to see it. If that's what you're suggesting we go do. He's like, oh, no, I still want to go see it. I'm like, okay. It's not you're one of these things. Like, you like animation, so you must like all animated films, which you do get from people who aren't animation fans particularly they'd be like oh you love animation so you must love Norman the Dwarf like oh oh I I love animation but I I have you know standards and I I assess each each film individually (laughs) it's one thing to appreciate animation regardless of you know in terms of quality like you know you Everyone, you know, every single animated film always has always has different people working on it. You have to appreciate the work that those people do, regardless. It's just, you know, everyone and like just like with, you know, regular any any type of film, some people have preferences when it comes to certain style of animation or, um, say, like animated stories with a particular focus or you know it's it's because there's so much of it in so many different ways now. You've got your Japanese animation, you've got your animation from like big studios like Disney and DreamWorks and then you've got your you know smaller television animation it's like it's it, it you can't really just assume that just because someone loves animation you know that they love every single mm-hmm. piece of animated content that comes out because just like with regular films like there are your good ones there are your good ones and there are your stinkers you appreciate both the good and the good and the stinkers for you know refining your sense of taste and for what kind of uh, media you want to consume but you know you just don't gen- you don't generalize it the thing is as we as we always say it's not a genre it's a medium so the idea of saying to someone oh you like live action so <laughs> yeah you can't do that now can you it's you the same like... thing with the animated movies and animated shows it's the exact same thing you can't just like you said you can't generalize it you enjoyed the Seven Samurai, so you must enjoy. Um, what's a terrible film? I can't think. <laughs> Transformers <What's> a... Five. <laughs> Transformers Five or Sharknado? Hmm. Yeah, because they're all films. They're all the same, right? They're all movies. Mm. They have scripts. They have actors. Well, some of them do. Um, well, yeah, that's you know fair. That's fair. <laughs> Yeah, so moving on from the trailers, yeah, I should I should watch Storks probably because I I love those Muppet movies, they're great, and it's, he it's, wrote them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I'll tell you, it's like it's not. Don't expect going into 
a real for a real feel good movie because I don't think that's what Storks is trying to be. It's it's a, a, a first and foremost a comedy. Yeah. So, if you if you go into it, if you go into it with that mindset, you're probably going to have a better time. So there are more awards going on because there's always awards going on, and but these are not movie awards; they're television awards, and it is the daytime Emmys that will be coming up. Um, the end of April, 28th of April, um, the daytime Emmys, uh, which uh, give awards to things apparently that air between 2 a.m. and 6 p.m. That seems to be their um, seems to be their standards. But um, the thing that's interesting is that a lot of these things that are nominated are actually streaming things, so they don't actually air at all. So I'm not quite sure how they qualify but anyway um yeah the daytime enemies have announced their nominations and in the animation categories it's really good for dreamworks animation tv stuff well they've been putting out a lot of really great um animated uh television programs in the past couple years i think like you know you've got the race to the edge you've got uh for the dragons uh franchise and you've also have um Definitely, Troll Hunters is the big one. Like I've, uh, lo- I was looking through the uh, nominees categories, uh, some of the nominees for the different categories, and I saw that name popping up more than once. And I can definitely understand why, given the uh, the critical praise that's been uh, given to Troll Hunters. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's up for best um, writing and uh, uh, best um, directing, uh, best like performances as well it's um up for pretty much most of the things it's probably eligible for um also there's stuff that race to the edge has got some nominations and the mr peabody and sherman show which is another netflix uh dreamworks thing uh which is it's got quite a few nominations like in like the annies as well um yeah i'm i'm kind of i've watched an episode of that and I'm kind of surprised that it's got so many nominations to be honest um, but hey each to their own um, <laughs> and there's there's also some non-DreamWorks stuff there obviously um, a couple of Amazon shows have been nominated as well um, like Tumble Leaf um, oh yeah Tumble Leaf uh, and also completely unstreaming things like Peter Rabbit um and uh Milo's Murphy's Law. Ah, oh, I love that show. Uh Harvey Beaks. Uh Just in Time. Uh, Quite a few. Yeah, lots lots of shows. Uh we're not gonna list them all because yeah, we're not. Uh you... There's a lot. There's a lot here, folks. So if you are curious about which programs are have made the nomination list, we'll make sure to include the link to the uh the article, uh, the list of them in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So, good luck to all the people, and it's good to see DreamWorks TV stuff doing really well because we're not really sure what's happening with the TV, with the movie stuff these days, with mm-hmm. so many so many things that have been cancelled and and uh, things that have been delayed, and it's like, what's going on since they've been taken over by Universal? They're like, let's mm-hmm. make another Shrek movie. Um, oh please no! Yeah, gonna... Now that I don't, now that I don't enjoy the Shrek, the earlier Shrek films, at least most of them, some of them. 
Um, but just it's it's at its time. Let it go. Let it go. Yes, you wait. Shrek's meet Shrek meets the minions coming soon. Um, oh no! No 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 no! Don't don't say it warn you if that oh. happened. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so lots of nominations for DreamWorks there. Um, nice. And again, I'm not entirely sure why Dragons Race to the Edge is a um, pro- a daytime show and. Uh, like Troll Hunters is a daytime show and well, where, where other things are prime right? you know, where other things are yeah. When other like cartoon network shows whatever counted as prime time in the primetime Emmys, I don't I don't know. It kind of seems like shenanigans a bit in the way that like um with other award ceremonies it depend sometimes they uh, submit things for uh like they're like just They'll sometimes submit someone who's like a main actor for a supporting actress or something because they mm-hmm. think that they're less likely to win in the other category. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind kind of like when uh, the Golden Globes nominated um, The Martian for comedy and people were like, what? It's not a comedy? Uh, yeah, I think it's kind of being a bit cheeky with the, um, yeah. with the categories because they're not really daytime, but hey, what are you going to do? What are you gonna so, do? Yeah, what are you gonna do? Um <laughs> Any other uh big big stories coming on in uh in the animation world? Moving over to this side of the Atlantic, uh there is going to be a a film festival in Leeds in Yorkshire in the UK and that is the Leeds Young Film Festival which is one of the leading um, family film festivals in the UK um, and they're showing an awful lot of animation stuff uh, uh, starting April the 10th um, uh, it runs right through till the 20th um, and it is they'll be showing lots of films including every Oscar animated Oscar nominated animated film this year so Zootropolis, as it's known in the UK. Um, My Life is a Courgette, as it's known in the UK. And the films that are named have got the same name as they are for in America. Um, <laughs> Moana, Kubo and the Two Strings, and... Have I left one out? Red Turtle. Red there Turtle? we go. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're all playing, as are a bunch of other um, animated films, old and new, including Lego Batman, um... Uh, the original Beauty and the Beast, um, as well as the remake, uh, the Jungle Book, the recent one. Um, so these things that are relevant to our topic today. Uh, Horton, here's a who, uh, and um, yeah. Oh, Lots your name as well. Lots and of workshops, yes. from what I can tell from the schedule. Yeah, and an awful lot of workshops and like um, things for like kids and families to do related to animation. Lots, quite a few Lego things. Uh, there's a Lego Batman sound effects workshop, and there's like Lego animation workshops as well. Oh, and they're also playing a bunch of Pokemon films. Okay. Uh, and doing Pokemon Go hunts. So there you go. Oh, fun. But uh, I think one of the things I was looking at the uh, the trailer that they have uh, posted for the festival. 
mm-hmm. um, which you guys, you all, which all of our uh, listeners should definitely check out if you get the chance. If you're going to be in the region where you can go see that, you go see this festival. Um, it looks like there are also some. Uh, I don't know which workshop this pertains to, but it looks like filmmaking via Minecraft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which looks really cool. On this, like, there's VR um, things as well, VR workshops and things. Yeah, it seems to be so, a little bit of everything. Mhm. And this this is only like the animation related stuff. There's other stuff as well, but we only listed the animation stuff because for obvious reasons, um, <laughs> we're an animation website. Um, so yeah, you can check out the full list of animation related stuff uh, on animationforadults.com, and we'll link to it in the show notes. So check that out. And also, while we are talking stuff that's happening in the UK, um, a yet another anime film is going to be released in UK cinemas uh, later in the year in the summer by Anime Limited who previously have brought you uh, The Silent Voice, Your Name and are going to in the near future release Sword Art Online the movie on the big screen Um, they are releasing uh, a film by the name of Napping Princess uh, which has also been known in other places as Ancient and the Magic Tablet. Um, and this Very different is, titles. Yes. It is a bit... Which is... The other Ancient and the Magic Tablet is the name that it's played, it played at at the um, New York Children's Film Festival. Uh, so I don't know if that's the, re- the title it's going to be released as in the US. Mm-hmm. But in the UK it's being released as... Um, Napping Princess hmm. and there is a Japanese trailer um, there isn't an English one yet um, and this is from the director of an anime series called Eden in the East and he also directed um, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex the TV series hmm. and yes interesting, yeah. uh, interesting history for them and I believe the synopsis of the, the synopsis for the movie is as described: um, a young lady named Co- I think I pronounce this name right, uh, Kokone, who has trouble staying awake while studying, and as while she sleeps, she experiences vivid dreams of warring machines, and so she keeps getting these visions uh, that might possibly be tied to certain uh, family secrets. Also, it's I mean, not you only get a, a vague idea from. Uh, in the trailer, what you know, how this kind of synopsis play, will play plays into the visuals and what's displayed on screen. So it's obviously uh, as a trailer, it's only showing snippets, but it's it's interesting. It's like it, it it definitely has me intrigued. I'm not sure if I'm still like I'm all on board for it, but it does seem like it's visually it it, it definitely appeals to me. And uh, the the synopsis is just intriguing enough that I might like if I have an opportunity to see it, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, the animation looks nice. I re- I really um, I'm a fan of the animation style of um, Agent of the East, and it looks similar to that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks nice, and it looks like a a good quality production. And I yeah, I'm intrigued by that concept. I don't really know where it's going to go. Um, and you know, I I can sympathise with the main character with the the napping mm-hmm. thing. Ah, uh, uh, sleeping is good. And it, it's good to see more anime 
coming to cinema screens in the UK. Yeah, a lot less. I mean, obviously, you've got your general, you know, anime film that's tied to like a long running uh, series that's, you know, as pop, you know, almost as popular in the West as it is in the East. But we're seeing a lot more of uh, standalone anime films coming to both the UK and the US. So this is a really fun and exciting trend for people who have been, you know, longtime fans of uh, not just popular anime anime series, but, you know, just people who hear through the grapevine, like, oh, this is a really good movie just on its own. It's not tied to anything in particular. And now we're getting more exposure to those kind of films, more so than ever in these past couple of years. So the fact that this is an ongoing trend is really exciting. Yeah, this year there seems to be more than ever, like, because there's going to be in this corner of the world this summer as well, so... And like I said, Sword Art Online's coming out uh, in like in April. So if you like anime on the big screen, then it's a good year for you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I think people, I think maybe people are finally are, are um, in that particular side of the business of the film business are catching on that. Oh, hey, there's actually a good market for this. And when we actually have anime films, you know, even though they're they, you know limited screenings, people actually come out and see them. So. Maybe that's in place. Play, is that's playing into it a little bit, saying, "Oh, they're actually they're actually making a lot of money with this. People are showing up to see these movies." And we will bring you more information on the release uh, when we know about it, and also we'll be keeping an eye to see if it's coming out in the US anytime. Um, so check that out. Oh, and also in the. Um, You'll be getting, if you're in the US, you'll get a chance to see your name on the big screen in April, so lots of, lots of anime on the big screen for everybody. As if anime you're near, for everybody. If you're near one of the cinemas, that is. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, none of them seem to play anywhere near me. Hey, what are you going to do? Right, um... Was that all the news? I believe there was one final story that uh, we might have wanted to bring up, just if only briefly, because it's kind of sort of a big deal, or at least it's concerning a film that's kind of sort of a big deal with this past year. Uh, yes. This would be a story about a film we've talked about at length on on the podcast, and that would be the film by the name of Zootopia, also known as Zootropolis, uh, Zootopi, uh, Zoomania. Too many names what? to count. Yeah, the zoo movie. Um, well, it is uh, leading to Disney being sued by someone who claims they stole his idea, um, which is fairly common practice that happens. Yeah, it's in people sue companies whenever anything's a success. I'm pretty sure um, <laughs> probably about 50 people have tried to sue J.K. Rowling. Oh, I invented Harry Potter. Definitely it was me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But this one, it potentially could have a bit more substance to it. Um, okay, so this guy basically says that he uh, invented a story about animals living in a city and that it's a that it is basically a um, it's a metaphor for life in America and um, he also says that his city was even called Zootopia um, mm-hmm. 
but also it is different because the film was not called Zootopia it was called Looney and it had an element um, a human element because uh, uh, this was created by an animator and so it may have had a human character in it um, which Zootopia didn't um, yeah and this Goldman fella says he pitched it to someone who uh, was a Disney executive and stuff in 2009 mm-hmm. uh, but yeah the um, thing is like I said this happens a lot people uh, whenever anything's successful um, they get people coming it up to things and I can see why people would say that there's there's more to this um, but like if you're saying a film about talking animals if you're trying to if you're trying to copyright the concept of anthropomorphic animals I think you can't really do that uh, no, at this point, because there are so many movies that have that concept or use that concept in their, you know, in their storytelling, and it's you can't copyright that general idea. It's been used too much at this point. I mean, to be fair, a lot of it has been. I mean, you know, the Disney's used it, uh, DreamWorks have used it, like pretty much any any kind of like you know storyteller or anima- animation has tried to do this at some point, at least or at least. You know, try to touch on the idea. At least a lot of big names have already tried. So you can't, if you if you're trying to claim to copyright this, just copyright something just because on the basis of the fact that oh, this is a movie with anthropomorphic animals in a city setting. Yeah, I'm sorry, that's not going to hold a lot of water. And I mean, also there's the fact that I you know couldn't help but notice this when I was uh, looking into the story myself that the timing of this leads to me leads me to believe that this is you know maybe not as legitimate as maybe the person who is uh filing the claim might you know want to make out make it out to be because if this had really been the case i think we would have been hearing about this long before zootopia had ever hit theaters why would the story only break now when the movie is definitely a success and claimed you know has claimed an oscar it's a little convenient um, would you say and a billion dollars as well. And yes. Yeah, he want he wants some of the profits. Uh, <laughs> funnily well, enough. Oh, nice. Uh, but there's there's pictures there's pictures of some animals, and they've handily shown you pictures of the animals next to the animals from Zootopia, and it's really not that convincing at all uh, because. No. They're just animals, and they don't actually look much like the other animals. Uh, if you like, they're the vaguely similar thing is that they've both got a sloth in it. Uh, but yeah, just it's a sloth. some of them are really stretching it. Um, it's a sloth, and I mean, I mean, you'll look at it if you when you we'll we'll leave a link to the article in question um, in the show notes for the people you know anyone who's listening is curious to look into this story a bit further. Um, but yeah, it's like, you look at, like, the, the counterpart, uh, for, that's shown for Judy. It's, it's a squirrel, not a rabbit. And I mean, yes, they are both rodents, but the designs are different. He has this big, big-eyed rodent character that it looks mostly female. Like, I, that's the only similarity I see here. I don't, like, if the designs were even remotely similar... Are you like you know? Then they already are to um, 
to the actual Zootopia characters, like, they actually look like, you know, like a drawing of Nick or a drawing of Judy, then I would say, okay, maybe there's, maybe there's some legitimacy to this. But as it stands, with the information we have, I don't buy it. I don't buy this one bit. But, but there's, there's an ostrich, and there's a sheep, and they're the same, right? Yeah, so apparently this, are, are, we're, we're supposed to believe that the ostrich, this ostrich character that was for this, uh, thrown up for the concept for this other film, this other Zootopia film, is supposed to be equivalent of Bellwether. Like, this ob- this character obviously came from that character. And I'm looking at it like, no. No, no, no. Uh, just need more information, guys. Need more information. Yeah, and the idea, the basic idea, I mean, we love Zootopia, but the idea of a, um, a city with animals in it is not, like, a mind blowing the original idea in the first no. place um you know and the way they've interpret ter- you know that it's works as a um as a metaphor for society or whatever again animals being used as as metaphors that's hardly something that's not been done before i mean look at like animal, animal farm, farm or whatever Hello? exactly um and even like the name zootopia you i mean the reason it's not called Zootopia in Europe, for example, is because there is a zoo in Denmark called Zootopia. So they're not—they're not the first people to use that—that that pun. Um, it's, yeah, why it's kind they... of—it's kind of an yeah, obvious just... pun. Yeah. And the fact that that Disney are so careful about things like that, like changing the names for different markets just if there's the slightest possibility that they might have legal problems it doesn't seem that they'd make such you know a, a huge risk as this um as to actually like steal ideas and then you might say hey hey but what about kim was the lion king and kimba the white lion um again you know i'm not entirely sure that that is again I know there are lots of similarities, but if you set two things in, in like the, um, like Africa, with those animals, there are going to be similarities because there are the same animals that live there and stuff. And like even the, the similarities of the name is because Simba is lion in Swahili and mm-hmm. they, they, um, when they named, uh, American one Kimba it was because there was something called Simba uh, already had that name so they, they just changed it slightly so it mm-hmm. sounded the same um, but yeah so and another example that uh, this guy gave is that he said um, that Toy Story was a rip off of Jim Henson's The Christmas Toy what? Uh, no uh, there what? are more things. There, there are more things about toys coming to life than a Christmas toy yeah. and Toy Story. That's yes. again, is something that's been done a million times. And I remember a Christmas toy. I loved it as a child. Um, it got turned into that series, Secret Life of Toys, uh, but it was a, a Christmas special, and I found it. A, little disturbing because they had this whole thing about the toys couldn't be seen and if they were seen they 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 uh they basically died which was kind of dark oh that's scary uh, yeah they, if they became if they got seen by a human moving then they froze permanently 
and that was kind of disturbing. But that is yeah, really disturbing. That's obviously completely off topic. Uh, just because well, I've got hey, to talk so about I know this. I've never really seen this movie, but it's just very, at least not much of it. But it's, it's it, again, it's it's not. It really seems like the the complaints for this really just seem to be a generalization of oh, this concept has been used before. Or people have thought about using concepts about toys moving when people aren't around to see them, or uh, anthropomorphic animals in a city setting, or uh, the idea of monsters in a closet. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, you can't copyright or claim to, you know, or try to pursue, you know, uh, a lawsuit on the basis of, oh, these stories are relatively similar. Yes, because there's only so many times you can tell. I mean, I think we've probably discussed this on previous episodes. If and we have, you know, if we haven't, then we're discussing it now because this really peeves me, or this really grinds my gears. Um, yes, I mean, in terms of original story, if you can come up with a original story no one's ever really seen before, you know, good job. All the more power to you. But just because something maybe don't say borrow or just is inspired by a particular idea or inspired by a particular scenario then who's to say you can't make uh you know a, adjustments or you know your own spin on a particular uh tale and you know people aren't allowed to enjoy it or it's not allowed to be their idea because they were the ones who added that their particular personal spin on the story does that make any sense? Yeah, well, we basically talked about it last week when we talked about um, Coco and the Book of Life. And yeah, how yeah, yeah. If, if, you use simil- if you're taking similar inspiration, then you're going to have similar elements. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just... I mean, perhaps there's something in this. We don't know, you know, we can't really say, but it does look a little bit just like it's a someone... Either someone trying to cash in or someone just um, mistaken, one or the other. Um, I mean, there was someone who tried to sue DreamWorks uh, recently um, over Kung Fu Panda, who mm. was literally just a scam artist, and oh uh, had, had um, he'd like copied pictures out of a Lion King coloring book or something, and then claimed that they were no, no, oh it's my true. God. He he was a scam artist and he ended up like going to prison, I think, uh, trying to claim that he invented Gosh. Kung Fu Panda. Um, yeah, I don't think it's quite as bad as that. But no, I, I wouldn't think... say I would. I would. I would just yeah. I wouldn't say that it's that bad either. But it's just we're the the guy who is claiming this lawsuit against Disney. He is going to have to present much better evidence and much better examples of what he thinks is, you know, what, 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 what's really going on here as opposed to what he's already stated. You're going to need a little bit more meat on the bones for this to, in order to win an argument like this, especially against a big company like Disney. Yeah. The pitches aren't definitely aren't, aren't convincing me, I have to say. Uh, mm-hmm. but obviously if it turns out that there's substance in this, yeah, then, I mean, then that's bad, but we, really don't think that there is really much yeah, <laughs> going on here. It is way too early to tell. It's, like I said, need, definitely need more information from both the, the the person who's claiming the suit and also from Disney as well. 
So it just it's a wait and see issue. Mm-hmm. So I think that does us for news for this week. Yeah. And we're going to move in to our discussion. We're going to stay on Disney for a little bit because uh, we're yeah. going to talk about our discussion on the current trend of live action adaptations of animation uh, with Beauty and the Beast in cinemas around the world currently the live action version uh, which I must say I have not seen have you seen unfortunately I have not had the opportunity to get away to the movies in order to see it I have heard quite a few things through the grapevine in terms of opinions about good stuff the movie's done not so good stuff the movie's done it really I wouldn't it's I wouldn't say it's from at least from general uh, reception it seems to be you know people are enjoying it for sure but for people who I am aware who, you know, who've actually gone to see it, you know, people that I know and who've told me their opinions on it, they really, it really comes down to like, okay, really didn't do anything too differently from the original animated film. Which is an interesting uh, criticism. Uh, well, it's it's worked for them. Uh, it's made an mm-hmm. awful lot of money. Uh, yep. So... Don't be surprised if they keep doing it. But then again, it also worked for them the other way with a Jungle Book where it was really diff- quite different. Um, so, I guess just the question is to ask, how how are you feeling about this uh, this trend? Well, just, just generally feeling like, you yeah. know, how... Okay. Well, it really is a hard thing, you know, a hard feeling to really get a grasp on because it's at the same time, like... A lot of people, you know, who grew up with animation like this, you know, part of us always kind of, you know, wondered in the back of our heads, like, okay, how would this look? How would the on-screen action that I'm seeing right now, would this be, this idea and this story be taken in a different or better way if it was adapted into a more, you know, a traditional film? Like, with, in terms of, uh, you know, you have had live-action actors and stuff, because, you know, obviously the whole stigma is like, you know, what we've discussed quite a few times on the uh, podcast on the website itself is the idea that there's, there is a bit of a stigmatism with uh, people in animation not willing to accept that, you know, you could tell adult stories or more mature stories uh, using animation as opposed to, you know, it's like, oh, animation is just a way to, you know, is a a art form to appeal to kids and nothing more. Well, you know, and everyone who's, you know, used to have an idea or maybe thinking that way or but still enjoys animation will probably think like okay how would this look in live action how would you tell a story like this in live in live action and and i will say it's if you can find a way to tell a story in a different way you know using the tools and the you know resources that you have at your disposal and tell it in a you know in a different way that you know maybe highlight something new or hasn't been really explored about the story before or at least not in a particular way then i'd say it's it's interesting to that they're you know haven't taken the opportunity to explore it but that really it really also you have the you know tendency like okay are we treading on any toes when remaking or try even even daring to remake especially movies that are a huge hit with a lot of people like you know beauty and the beast in particular is the favorite of a lot of people. Ghost in the Shell has a huge following. So when you're daring to adapt a, a title 
into a particular film style that it was not created for, or not originally created for, you have to be very careful about how you approach it. And I think some of the films that have come out thus far have found a unique idea or, like, at least a middle ground. Some have been able to capture not just the heart of the story, but also kind of, like, showing it in a new light. But some have not. Some have definitely kind of missed the point, I think. So I think it's it's really kind of like, in my general opinion, I think I'm, I'm definitely kind of a middle of the road. Like, I'm not completely opposed to it, but I'm just like, okay, if you're going to adapt something, you better be you better be damn well careful with the, what you're trying to adapt. Well, I think with with the Disney thing in particular, uh, this trend that I guess started, did it start with Maleficent or, or Cinderella or... Yeah, that's one of the first, uh, the first films that they kind of, I wouldn't say, it, it, Maleficent's a bit of a hard, you know, I wouldn't directly call it a live ad, uh, live action adaptation of uh, The Sleeping Beauty because... I don't know. It seemed like there were, there are were parts of that movie that I actually really liked the idea of. I mean, I like the like again, like what I was saying before. It it found a way to show the story, give a give a spin on the story we already knew, which is okay because the story of Sleeping Beauty has been it's been done. You know, Disney. You know, people have been telling this story long before Disney ever adapted it to film. So, and I like the idea that we were getting uh, maybe a bit more backstory on one of the more infamous Disney villains of all time. And it was actually really interesting up to a, up to a point. I think um, with this... Because they, they have done it at times before. They, you know, there was like live, ap- adap- live action adaptations of The Jungle Book, like in the 90s, uh, mm. 101 Dalmatians, and then they even yep. did a sequel with Glenn Close, Glenn Close as um, Corella Deville. Um, so it's not completely new, but this new wave that they're doing, um, it, it kind of mystifies me a bit because at, at first with like Maleficent, whatever, I was like, okay, they seem to be doing something with it rather than just doing, trying to recreate the things. And it's same with the Jungle Book, which mm-hmm. I personally, as I have spoken about, I was not really a fan of, but mm-hmm. I can... I can understand why it exists because it is a different interpretation. You know, it, it goes back to the book a bit and it does a different way and it um, does something different. But then with Beauty and the Beast, um, which, as I have to say, I haven't seen, uh, has a very impressive cast and everything, but everything I've seen of it, I just kind of go, why? Why are they doing this? I know I... I know the $170 million opening weekend or whatever kind of shows exactly why they're doing this, and it shows that there's a massive audience waiting for it, but from a creative point of view, it's like, what, if you're just going to be doing another musical version, why? Uh, why? Because those songs already exist. They're already Yeah, they done already well. exist. They've already been performed by really, you know, good good, you know, actors and singers. And, well, here's... It, what really baffles me is that... I mean, obviously, they're spending money in order to make these films in order to make more money. But the really question is, if you're in this business in order to make money, or you're using these films as a way to kind of, like, as a placeholder between when, you know, other 
your, you know, other original content is coming out, unless you have a new way you can spin the story, why not just re-release the original films back into theaters? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, because I guarantee, especially for the film like Beauty and the Beast, is just like, like I said, who's beloved by so many people, I don't think you're going to lose money by re-releasing the original film. Because people who never had, say, who never had the opportunity to see that movie in theaters back when it came out, would love the opportunity to see it again in the big, big screen. And I and I think they've done this a couple times with some of the other uh, classic Disney movies. Oh, so oh. I'm 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 wondering like you could make this like a, a almost a biannual thing. But they re-released uh, um, Lion King in 3D like. A few years back, uh, probably loads mm-hmm. of years back now. <laughs> they think, oh, it was like last few years back, and it's probably oh, it's ten years ago or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it, it it like got to number one. It was huge. It was like yeah, because it, people love that movie, and it's like that. That's I think that's the biggest thing in terms of uh, remaking these live action adaptations or quote unquote as we've as we've said in many instances when we say live action we say quote unquote live action because yeah. despite what people may think there is a great deal of animation work in a majority of these films like a vast majority so it's like at that point it's really you know another it's another reason to talk about them because the fact that you know while they do have live action elements to it it's still a lot of different animators working to bring, like, say, the Beast to life, or Bagheera and Baloo from the Jungle Book, or um, the mice from the Cinderella film, mm-hmm. but... or the fairies with, with um, in uh, Maleficent. So it's just like, uh, can we really like? The, the, it also brings the question: like, can you really call these like live action remakes? I mean, they, that's how they're being marketed, but. You have to really think about that. It's like with as much animation, you know, as taking up a majority of the films. Like, can we really call them live action remakes in the first place? But yeah, that's that's another thing about the Beauty and the Beast. The the um the animated characters, they just they des- they've got none of the charm. They're har- they're the um all the um the uh, animated like household objects and everything. The designs on them, oh god, they they just look, oh, they're freaky. I don't like them. They're disturbing. It well, I, I mean, I imagine that might be at least from this is this is me being devil's advocate I, again since I have not seen them film yet. Um, I don't know. I part of me likes the fact that it looks you know almost sort of an unnatural because that's kind of the whole point, isn't it? You're having household objects talking to you. That in a lo- that 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 in of itself is a little supposed to be a little like off-putting so the fact that even if, they, if that's the kind of what they were tr- hoping to go for a little bit i would actually respect them for that but still if you're trying to if, if you are just doing a, basically a remake which is what they seem to be doing then why not just try and make them look like the cartoon i mean if you're going to go that way yeah. go the whole hog maybe rather than well you, you still have to keep in mind like if you have live action actors working on it. If you're trying to bring... The whole idea, it seems, is to bring a sort of realism to this fantasy scenario. Like, to kind of take this, you know, film that, while it did have... You know, it was relatively, uh, you know... I wouldn't say, like, a, a, it was a deeper 
uh, fairy tale. Like, it was a, a deep fairy tale story. And you're trying to kind of add a touch of, re- a touch of realism to it in terms of the, uh, you know, the characters and the design of the film. I can understand, again, I, some of the decisions they've made in terms of that, you know, the design of it all, I can, that I can get behind. That I can understand the, some of the decisions they may have made to get to this point that they are currently at. What I don't understand is why, if you're bothering to remake this film at all, what significant have you changed about it in order to try to make this more realistic scenario? Which, from what I've heard, they have not done. It is mainly a almost beat-for-beat retelling of the exact same story from the Disney film, and again, I will voice my concerns, like, okay, if you were just gonna tell the same story, re-release the movie in theaters. I think you'll make a lot more money, and you'll save a lot more money with, you know, instead of having to invest an entire, you know, you know, invest into another uh, remake. You'll, the, you'll, you'll, you won't have to spend that money in order to get it back. Except this is 45 minutes longer, so they've added lots of important backstory. Like, we've got to know why there's a chip in that cup. I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, okay. With, um, let, let's discuss that. If that, if, if you really think of, um, other Disney, uh, others of these, uh, Disney remakes that have kind of touched on this end, like, you think, uh, like, that you think that might be where the key of the adaptations are trying to do something different is they're just trying to elaborate on certain elements of the story that we know are in there but have never really been shown on screen perhaps or because i mean we got that with maleficent we got that with cinderella because we actually um in the the cinderella remake they actually kind of have a couple scenes dedicated showing okay this is how cinderella went from being a member of this family to the scullery maid and then um of course we also get the um you know, some in the Jungle Book, we get a bit of a back backstory on how Mowgli was, you know, lost in the jungle, and then when Bagheera took him in, and then it's it's it's, it's it, that that seems to be the common trend, at least as far as Disney's concerned. That seems to be the uh, ongoing trend in terms of uh, how they're trying to elaborate on the, these particular narratives is by saying, "Oh, well, we didn't, you know, we're gonna tell a little bit more about how this." character is the way they are or this scenario was set up in the beginning yeah. do, do, do you see what I mean? Yeah I, I, I kind of see that's part of maybe one of their excuses that they have to go back and get add backstory or whatever but I'm always asking do we need that really? <laughs> well you yeah again it, it really depends on what kind of which of the properties you're looking to expand on because i mean for some some of the stories like i actually really enjoyed seeing a little bit more to it i mean the jungle book because it already has you know it's based on a book that's got so many different uh, interpretations of it like you know like we've already discussed it's had remakes in the past as well in terms of like our adapta- adaptations uh in live action as well which have been cool or some have been good some have been not so good and so you could afford to take some liberties in terms of telling the story and telling it in its own unique unique way. Um, and, again, some of the stuff with Maleficent, I could, you know, I could forgive because of the fact that, you know, that character is so iconic. 
it would be uh, interesting to kind of expand on, okay, we know she's a fairy, but was she always, you know, an evil fairy character? But then you have the stories with Cinderella. I mean, we understand that after her father passed away and the, the stepmother, later Tremaine, basically took control of the household that she basically mistreated Cinderella and basically reduced her role in the family in order to uh, better uh, push her own two daughters into better standing in society. But that's kind of implied? You know, it's obviously, we, we know it's been a relatively horrible existence for her ever since this happened, but we don't... It, like, do we really need to see the how or the why? I mean, we, we get the why from what we see in the film, or the original film. So, do we really need to see how it happened? Well, it, it's kind of like the trend for prequels. It's like, we have to vote, we have to know the story behind the film we've already seen. When, really, you think, well, if that was an interesting story in the first place, that's where it would have started, surely. Uh, it's just... Mm-hmm. It's just... The thing that... The thing that really annoys me about these remakes is it's not particularly... This isn't particularly involved with the filmmakers as such as it is with the um, the way they're written about and talked about and stuff. Is like, mm-hmm. the implication, basically, that these are going to be better because they're live-action... Quote unquote live action. Uh, Wrong. And they're, Wrong. They're going to be better because they're using modern techniques. And it's like, I, no. I was probably. That's no excuse. I was kind of probably uh, like predisposed against the Jungle Book when I had so many people like mentioned the reviews and stuff. Like, oh, well, it's better than the original. And I'm like, what? Shut up. <laughs> like, no. no, it's not. <laughs> and it's just, I mean, like. We've, I know Dan's talked about this on on the podcast about John Favreau basically was mm-hmm. totally upfront about the fact that this was an animated film, and you know yeah. showing respect for the animators and everything and how big a part they played in the new Jungle Book. Um, but there's there's kind of a lot of dismissal of the originals and stuff. I think in 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 the way it's written about. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, Beauty and the Beast, yeah, you love it, but now it's a real movie. And it's no. A real movie uh, from the director of the last two Twilight guys. films. Well, I think people seem to forget, especially with a lot of the films that they've been trying to remake, they're product of their time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to remember the, the date of when the original Jungle Book, uh, uh, Disney's Jungle Book, unfortunately at this time is escaping me. I probably have to it was the 60s. take some... Yeah. Yeah, it was the sixties. Mm. I mean, come on, it was a different. It was a different time period. So the obviously, you know, people who are more into uh, modern style of filmmaking, you know, it's you don't criticize a film for just being being what it was for the time that it came out. I mean, there's still it's still a fun movie. It's got some very you know cute humor and uh, the song sequences are catchy and. I like the way, even though it was you know, probably arguably more kid-friendly approach to telling the uh, the story of the Jungle Book as opposed to, say, the original uh, story, it's still probably a good way for kids to kind of test the waters. Like, okay, do you like this story? Would you like to learn more? Would you like to read the book? And then kind of just, you know, act as an inter- possible introduction to expanding their knowledge about a story that they already enjoy. And it's important that people don't forget that. 
I'm very much not looking forward to the uh, the Lion King uh, <laughs> reboot thing uh, based on the Jungle Book things. I did not enjoy it, and I don't really want to see like you know ultra realistic lions doing the Lion King. It's kind of yeah. Well, it, again, it's it, it comes to the question like. Does it really? Does this really warrant a remake? No. Because you're just putting as much money into it, if not more so than you did with the original film. So why really spend that much money to make a film that doesn't? It doesn't. Not to say that it can't exist, but it doesn't have to. When you, if you're especially if you're trying to do this on the idea that you're trying to make a profit, I understand because when movies making movies is a business and it always will first and foremost, be a business to whoever gets involved into it. But it seems, at least from my perspective, it seems like a waste of money to try and get this whole project going and spending a whole ton of money when you would really, I think you would get a lot, you would have to spend a lot less money to just say, okay, well, let's just get the theatrical version of the original film back out, put it back into theaters as a release, like a limited time release for... Uh, certain times out of the year, and I guarantee you, people will go see this movies because, at least as far as Disney's concerned, I mean, you they have an entire legacy of making of all these movies, and they herald them as classics. So why wouldn't they make just as much money as you know some of these these remakes would? I mean, obviously, with especially with in regards to Beauty and the Beast, considering how big of a hit that was. But that's this is this is just talking about Disney though. There are plenty of other uh, live action remakes of animated uh, films that are uh, looming on the horizon or have not already uh, hit the silver screen. Just before we get onto that, I did just want to mm-hmm. look ahead to the because there's such a long list of the Disney ones that are in production. Uh, just wanted to quickly go through some of them because. Um, Okay. One of the ones in production is Mulan, which had has been a bit of a topic of contention recently because one of the mm. directors said that there wasn't going to be any songs in it, and then people were like, "Well, what's the point?" And to which point, I I would argue, well, I think there isn't any point if you're just remaking it, um, yeah, and doing the songs and everything. But obviously, people who love the songs in Mulan want them to appear. Um, yeah, especially with um, uh, I swear I go to a an anime con and someone I I guarantee you someone somewhere will start singing the song "Be a Man" and then the entire rest of the crowd behind them or in front of them will will join in because that 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 song is immensely popular. I mean this this is... so having that with the Mulan without that is like why? I mean this is going to be interesting in that it's going to be an all Asian cast uh, so. That you know, from that point of view, it's good that a major Hollywood movie is being made like that. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad about that. And you know, this is a Mulan is like a classic Chinese story and everything. So, I, oh yeah, I think um, I I'll, I'll never forget when I um I was looking into the uh the history one. There was a I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but there is a podcast that I follow called uh, Disney Story Origins. Mm-hmm. That does a lot of uh, really in-depth research about the original uh, 
narrative that a lot of these Disney films are based on. And I remember uh, very vividly um, when he was discussing Mulan in terms of like, okay, when exactly would this have taken place in Chinese history and where exactly would have happened? And apparently from as far as much research that he was able to do, it is almost impossible to pinpoint exactly where in China this would have taken place because apparently that the, um, the story of Mulan is such, you know, is so beloved mm-hmm. in China that like almost if you ask that question to almost anyone in China, they'll they'll try you know, they'll say like, "Oh, you know, the story of Mulan or originated in my, you know, oh, yeah. my region of China." So it's like it, everyone will like it's 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 almost impossible to pin down. It's it's but I actually I think that's a really cool aspect that they just it's such a beloved tale that everyone you know they, everyone in China takes real pride over it. I think that's kind of like that you know there's loads of places like in the UK that would be like oh this is the birthplace of Prince of King Arthur or whatever uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah. same sort of thing um, yeah out of all the ones this is probably one of the ones I'm sort of more optimistic about um, Mulan um, and. Like I said, Lion King is in production. Not so optimistic about that one, but you know, good casting so far. Uh, James L. Jones back as mm-hmm. Mustafa, Mustafa, <laughs> Mufasa, um, Mufasa, 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 and uh, um, Donald Glover as as um, as Simba. That's cool. Um, and then Guy Ritchie's directing Aladdin. Uh, that's another one they've got to be very careful with because <laughs> all the cultural elements. Oh yes. Um, oh, so much. So many cultural elements. Uh, but when you think about that, it's about a, a thief and you know a street rat or whatever. Guy Ritchie's kind of interesting casting for that. Um, well, I have to ask though because I remember when we were first getting kind of this information about a lot of these uh remakes of these disney films wasn't it true that they weren't sure if like the aladdin one was actually going to be based like a directly you know taken off the original film or if it was going to be more of an adaptation of a story that was tied to aladdin at one point they're talking about genie prequel i think uh that's what i remember we were discussing like way back when when well uh i think we got into the topic of this like at some point, in like in one of our previous episodes, and I was and that actually kind of sort of had me intrigued. But yeah, if we're just going for another Aladdin story, um, all I'm going to say is if unless it's a more accurate representation of the original uh, fairy tale of uh, from you know the uh, you know the Shahrazad's stories, <laughs> and uh, I have no interest. I, I I'm sorry. I think. Um... I think probably the success of uh, Beauty and the Beast means that they're probably going to go a bit more down the lines of more direct adaptations, unfortunately, because uh, if, if it's working. Um, and then, of course, uh, Tim Burton's doing Dumbo. <laughs> okay. That's very random. Um, their Little Mermaid, I believe, is in production as well. But hey, they've said they're not going to make they're not going to make anything that's released after 2000 at the moment. So no Frozen or Moana coming up anytime soon. Although I wouldn't count it out not ever happening by any chance. Uh, yeah. <laughs> especially not Frozen. Well, here's here's my question. 
to you, Chris, because, you know, we've been talking about this. Maybe, or unless you want to go ahead and talk about those other films that are uh, adapted from animated properties that are being remade into live-action <laughs> films. Um, if you, If there was a Disney film that you think could benefit from this kind of treatment, what do you think would probably be the best way to go about it, or what film do you think would benefit the most? I don't know. I don't really want any of them to be done particularly. <laughs> I don't think there's not one like, oh, I wish they'd do a live-action film of that, because, like, I like the animated ones. I don't... Uh, I don't know. Is there one? At least, like, something that would have, like, the most potential, like, okay, you could tell... Same, similar story, similar characters, but at least tell a new spin on... Give it a spin a little bit, you know? Not just adding extra backstory. I don't... I don't... I can't really think of anyone that I think would work particularly well, to be <laughs> honest. I, I, I like them the way they are. I I just think... Or I, when we haven't... Well, because it, it's not entirely animated the original even but Pete's Dragon's supposed to be good mm-hmm. as well I haven't had the chance to watch that uh, maybe maybe things like that are a bit better to adapt than mm-hmm. the straight up animation yeah I would say like lesser known Disney mm-hmm. properties uh, or Disney animations might benefit oh. from maybe saying okay if we're looking into doing a, you know, live-action adaptations of a Disney property, something that's a bit lesser known from people. It's like, oh, if it's Disney... Basil the Great Most Detective. <laughs> yes! And, uh, yes! <laughs> How's that going to work? Um, I, yeah, um, okay, I think you, we we might have struck on gold just now. I would like to starring think Starring so. Benedict Cumberbatch is... <laughs> Yes. Okay, I'm sorry. Fangirl moment over. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. That's amazing. One I haven't... Disney, take notes. One I actually... Uh, is one of the ones I haven't actually seen, uh, but one that is generally considered one that doesn't work that was well in animation. A Black Cauldron, perhaps. That mm-hmm. would work as live action. Maybe. Ah, huh, that would be a... I mean, obviously, the, um, you mean the, the 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 film has been rightly, you know, panned by a lot of people, but there is there is still potential in there. I mean, I remember watching that a long time ago and thinking like, oh, it was kind of bland. But I don't know yet. That would be a more interesting idea to see. Like, okay, if you can salvage this mm-hmm. and make this, uh, you know, even better than it, you know, even better. I yeah, that would be an interesting investment. But I guess because of the fact that it was such a, you know, not widely accepted kind of uh, box office flop that people, you know, probably Disney executives would take one look at that and go, no, <laughs> we're, not, we're not risking money on that. Because that's the kind of things you should remake. You should remake things that didn't work in the first place. You shouldn't remake things that were good because they already yeah. exist. The things that don't work need fixing. Yeah. Re- it's worth it's worth more an investment. Like, how can how can we make this more epic? How can we make this more entertaining? How can we make this character less annoying? Well, apparently the answer is to put Scarlett Johansson in it. There you go, segue. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Ghost in the Shell is coming out, and this is again something we've talked about a lot. 
um, and about the issues with the casting and the whitewashing and everything. But it's happening. It's coming out soon. Um, they actually released the first five minutes ish of it online, uh, and I don't normally watch that kind of thing. You know, if, if I'm going to watch a film, I'm like, well, I won't watch five minutes of it before I watch it. The whole thing. Uh, what's the point? Um, but because I'm sort of about this whole thing, um, and you know, I'm not currently intending on handing over my money to go and see it on big screen, so I thought, well, I'll check it out. Um, and visually, um, I think they've kind of they've done a pretty good approximation of it. Um, but it gives gives me Watchmen vibes in that I think they've got the visuals about right but they don't understand it um, just like Scarlett Hansen's performance it's obviously just I'm going to be very monotone because I'm a robot <laughs> I am a robot yeah I mean that's I, I, I kind of feel bad for her in that regard to the fact that it's not really I, I don't know I, it, it might not I'm I'm wondering if it's part of it. most of most of it's going to be just just direction, mm. in terms of how that performance is going to you know what kind of performance she delivers. But I don't know. I hear a lot of differing opinions on you know, like is she a good actress? Is she not a good actress? And like I I personally respect the woman, and uh, I've enjoyed a lot of the roles that she's done, she's uh, been in since she uh, had you know her first ever since she came in onto the acting scene, but. I don't know. Like, I, like I, I have to agree. There are certain, like the way they're portraying this movie. I mean, visually, it definitely seems like it's capturing a lot of key scenes. Pretty, pretty good for uh, as far as a live ad- action adaptation goes. But it's the story, at least the way they're presenting it in the trailers, feels really off from the way the original film was uh, carrying itself. Like, it seems to like miss the point. Kinda. This, again, has got the whole thing behind... I think... I get the impression that they're like, oh, what is the story behind the Major? What's her secret? And it's like, that's not the point. We don't need to know that. We... That's... Why Why do you have... Like, have they seen the original film? Why do we have to explain everything? Why does every... Like, oh, what is the secret legend behind it? Maybe... Does there always have to be, like, a big mythology behind everything? Like... No, Does doesn't. every like every character has to be death like they It's like I think they were talking about like the the new Han Solo film or whatever, and suggesting mm-hmm. you know like adding extra mythology like oh he's destined to to be this because his father did this no. and it's like no why does every you don't need to do that some things just work as they are you don't have to explain everything it's just well here's. Let's let I mean let's 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 analyze like in terms of just that particular idea. Let's maybe take a look at that because I mean the original film of uh, Ghost in the Shell, which I have seen, I haven't really seen too much of the subsequent material, but I have material, but I have seen the original film. And one of the most interesting aspects about that for me, I mean obviously it's regarding the main character, but it's really not so much the fact that she is more machine than human at this point. It's how she deals mm-hmm. with it. That's one of the more interesting aspects of the story is really not just, you know, seeing her do her job and just, you know, doing all these really cool action sequences and solving a mystery about this supposed, you know, 
hacker who's actually, you know, modifying or invading people's uh, memories and, you know, because almost everyone who lives in this world has some kind of connection with, you know, machines and uh, the virtual world. But it's really kind of like, okay, you have this person, this, this, this woman, who's, regardless of whatever she's been through in her life, is now pretty much almost entirely machine. Like, okay, how does, like, how do we really discern how much of her humanity is left? And you really, you know, it's not really, it's a question that's not really answered all that well, or at least, I mean, at least it doesn't try to answer it. It really, I mean, all you can really get from, for an answer is, you know, make your own answer, is how she, you know, reacts to certain situations and also how she carries herself. The stuff that she does when she's not on the job. Mm-hmm. So, that, that's, to me, and when I watched that film, seemed like the real heart and soul of what Ghost in the Shell was trying to say in terms of its narrative and its storytelling. However, with the way this live-action film is carrying itself, it is kind of more like... Oh, you were in a terrible accident. Now you're more machine than per- than human. This they someone pulled the wool over your eyes and tricked you. Who is it? Why did they do it? <laughs> uh, uh, it's just it, it. It seems like action movie mm-hmm. bait, like like so, uh, a plot for a film that like was to get for that would have come a lot more often like two decades ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ghost Ghost mm-hmm. in the Shell is one of my favorite sci-fi franchises just i love the concept behind it and everything um so i want this to be great but i'm i'm not feeling it at the moment i just yeah it's just not looking like that and well the real tragedy i'm sorry go ahead and the um uh the whole messing up with the casting and everything um i know i know that perhaps the only reason this got made is because she was attached to it and you know they sold the concept here's here's it and it's going to star her and i think you know maybe it's not necessarily fair to say oh well she should have stood aside or whatever because then it wouldn't have happened um and mm-hmm. i i think she's a good actress and um also fair disclosure i do also i i, I do have a bit of crush blah, 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 blah. I, I did that, yeah. <laughs> I, um, There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I don't but, think... Um, I don't think she's right for it. <laughs> um, well, I mean, obviously, with them, I mean, uh, you know, ra- you know the, 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 the characters, you know, race, you know, the race that she's supposed to be aside, it's just, I mean, I don't know. Like, again, I'm, I, it's hard to really say, like, who's, in terms of the direction of the film's trying, seems to be trying to take... I, again, it's like I said, it seems to be kind of fundamentally missing the point. And I don't know who's, whose fault that is, and and I really want to just go up and say, like, did you really watch the original film, or did you really understand it? I mean, I, and again, I understand why the point of a film like Ghost in the Shell may not come as easily to certain people. Because it is very kind of read between the lines. I mean, you're probably not going to understand it like all everything that happens on your first viewing that's what makes it such a standout movie is the fact that you know it you get more out of it the more times you watch it i don't know i just feel like it, it, it's one of the real sad things about this i mean it's i mean obviously someone 
involved in the film's production does care enough to try and capture some of the visuals of the, the original film. And hopefully maybe that alone will may, maybe inspire people to actually track down the original to compare it to what this film's going to try and do. But to be perfectly honest, especially if this, you know, is released and this does not do well, it's going to, you know, for people who haven't seen the original film, it might color their perception about what the original film was about. And because of that, they might completely decide just to pass over it. Just like, oh, it was it was just a silly action movie or it was just a very pretty but very, you know, you know, didn't have a whole lot of substance to the story and stuff. Like, it's like, it's like, don't use that as an excuse to say, oh, the, the first film must be like that, too. Which is like, mm, see the first film before you, you judge it. Please. You may regret. One uh, film that is also coming out, another anime adaptation this year, that I'm a bit more hopeful for, actually, is the um, live-action uh, Death Note that's being directed by Adam Wingard and is going straight to Netflix and the trailer's just come out this week. Did you watch the trailer? Uh, I actually did not have a chance to witness this trailer, unfortunately, so you probably have a more understanding about it than I do. I do know a certain actor of uh, uh, that I am very <laughs> fond of is going to be involved in this movie, however. That has me excited. <laughs> um, Right, this is based on... The popular anime and ma- well manga and anime to be more accurate about um, <laughs> about a a normal high schooler who finds a a notebook that allows him to make people die by putting his na- their na- name writing their name in the notebook, um, and he basically tries to become a bit a bit of a god um, and tries to reshape develops a bit of a, complex, bit of a complex yeah um, and this is the American adaptation of it um, which is relocating it to America and again there has been controversy on whitewashing but in this case I feel this is more of an adaptation um, and mm-hmm. you know you're going to relocate it to America um, obviously they could still have cast people who aren't white in it <laughs> there's nothing to stop them doing that and they should do that but yeah. I don't think you know, you're saying because they're doing an American adaptation of Death Note, everyone should be Japanese because that would. Well, yeah, I mean, especially since I mean, if this, you know, I would I would hold to that. I would I would be more willing to accept that argument if not for the fact that um, not only has Death Note had you know it's it had started with the manga, then it had an anime adaptation, then it had its uh its own actual film mm-hmm. run in Japan. Yes, so those. And so, I mean, obviously, it's like, okay, well, we've had several different adaptations already. Um, at this point, why not, why Why would be, why is everyone so against having, you know, a, another separate adaptation, you know, one with a different setting? I mean, it's not like, you know, the, the first one already came already, so if you want to see, you know, to, you know, all Japanese cast for this story, then you've already got your mm-hmm. movies. So... At that point, I'm just like, okay, well, if people want to do a light of, you know, an American adaptation of the film or the the story, then eh, as long as they don't miss the point of the story, then why not? Which there's possibility they did because he was like, oh yeah, I I read an interview with the guy, um, and I've I've enjoyed his other films that he's done. Uh, he did a film called The Guest, which starred um, the the guy who plays the Beast in New Beauty and the Beast, uh, Dan Stevens, and he was rather he was really good huh. in it. Um, 
and um, yeah, he was talking in an interview. He was oh yeah, I love anime because it's really adult and stuff. So this is going to be really adult, and there's violence and nudity and stuff. And it's like, have you read the original? Because that doesn't really sound much like the original, to be honest. I mean, there's yes, it violence, was violent, but, that's about but it. the violence had purpose. Yeah. The violence had purpose. It was serving a goal to show how much of a a-hole light yagami was. Also, it wasn't like that graphic or anything, I don't think, particularly. It was just people... No, Mainly people I mean, having heart attacks, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, yeah, just slumping yeah. over dead. It's just like, well, that's... I mean, yeah, that's scary, but I wouldn't say it's like, you know, people are getting violently slashed across the chest or, like, you know blood got spilling out it's like that's not the kind of anime that's not the kind of uh story that death note was i mean it was about very serious subject matter about this you know this high school kid going literally off his freaking rocker for uh picking up a object of importance that he really had no right to use but eh, yeah but this is something that has been proved well arguably has been proved can work in live action because um, the concept is, you know, pretty straightforward to present and I think another interpretation of it would could could go well um, so I'm not opposed to this in principle and also it's got Willem Dafoe as Ryuk uh, so which I am yeah. all for, to be honest with you I'm really excited to see uh to see or see or hear the dulcet tones of women. So Dafoe. that's going to be fun. Um, so this, this is coming out this summer. Um, so we we will obviously talk about it nearer the time. But um, you can watch mm-hmm. the trailer now. So we'll obviously sh- uh, stick the link in the show notes. Um, okay. So um, we we've, we've talked a bit about the animation live action things and um, there's. It's quite a big topic, and I expect we'll, we will um, come back to it in future. But um, how do you, how do you people feel about that? Well, we did actually have we did actually yeah. have a little poll about the Disney live action remakes, and the people have spoken quite um, quite quite adamantly. Um, in third position, at thirteen percent, people said that they loved them. And second position, with 22%, people said they hate them. But with an overwhelming 65% of the vote was meh. Uh, so most of you are indifferent to them. Indifferent. So uh, I'm sure you really enjoyed our conversation just now. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was more or less the same thing. It's just like, it's, they can be good, they can be bad. They can be bad. They can be just whatever. It's That's kind of kind of everything we just talked about so i guess we're all in agreement i guess so yeah meh um <laughs> meh. so um before before hear that disney meh. Like, sorry i can't hear you over all the money that i've made from beauty and the beast yeah, like, excuse me we're making it rain over here what what are you t- what did you say again <laughs> okay okay so We've covered quite a lot today, even though it's supposed to be a short show. What are you going to do? Um, <laughs> if you want to catch up, it's a very, it's a very interesting topic to discuss. So it's like, like, like we said, it's it would probably take more than one episode to really go through it. You know, get everyone's 
opinion on it. You just this is just our own personal opinions and thoughts on the subject. But it, everyone's everyone's got a thought. Everyone's got an opinion. I'm sure about it, especially people who are you know say passionate about the animated films that are being adapted. So you know definitely if you're want to share your own thoughts and opinions with us, we'd love to hear from you. So either kind of get in touch with us via social media or even just drop a comment in the podcast mm-hmm. episode. Uh, so we'll be back very soon with another episode. Um, we basically we're going to be aiming to put out episodes now on Wednesdays but um, if you are if you become a patron uh, then we put episodes out basically as soon as they're ready so you can get them uh, sometimes as much as a couple of days earlier and also you get extended episodes sometimes if you go to patreon.com slash animation for adults or if you just want to make a a little donation um, you can um, contribute by buying us a coffee uh, you'll find the link in the show notes um, if you want to keep up with everything we're doing we're on animationforadults.com uh, we are on Facebook uh, we are on uh, Twitter at AFA blog we are on Tumblr Pinterest and Google Plus uh, you can find me personally at Mr Crystal on Twitter and Facebook Rachel where can we find you? you can find me usually on Twitter at uh, Fail2Ninja Awesome. And uh if you are in the New York area, um in on April the Wednesday, April the when is it? <laughs> um bees yes, <laughs> Wednesday, April the twelfth, um then drop by to Seaport District of New York City uh, for Animation Nights New York um, and admission is free for April Animation so there you go yep it's it's a great it's a great program as, as Yvonne has said many times on our podcast it is an awesome event they've got food they've got drinks and you just all get together and watch some really unique and really awesome animated short films that people submit and that have been judged by the uh, the folks in Animation Nights New York. Yvonne does a really great job, and her entire rest of her staff works very hard in order to bring, you know, make sure each session of Animation Nights New York is fresh and new and enjoyable. So definitely, if you're in the area, check it out. And if you want to know what's on this week's, this month's program, then you will find the mm-hmm. listing on animationfadults.com now. Uh, because we're going to be hosting that stuff for them okay so we will speak to you very soon we'll be talking about some more exciting animation topics so thanks everybody and and see you soon bye bye